0: It's time now for Illinois Innovators, spotlighting the leaders in research, technology, and entrepreneurship from the Engineering at Illinois community.
1: Welcome to another edition of Illinois Innovators. I'm your host, Mike Kuhn. Today we're talking graphene, a relatively new material with a number of uses. Our guest is Sungwoo Nam. He's an assistant professor of mechanical science and engineering at the University of Illinois, specializing in nanoscale manufacturing involving 2D materials. His group has developed a low-cost, more reliable method for manufacturing and modulation of properties of graphene, and the team's discovery was published this month in the Journal of Materials Chemistry C. Uh, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you. Hi, Mike. Uh, thank you for having me today. So it's a great to be here, uh, and I'll love to talk to you more about what we do and also a little bit about graphene, um, and hopefully that will be of interest to a lot of us, a lot of people out there.
1: So, give us an idea. How long has it been around? Um, in a w- in uh, brief terms, how was it discovered? And and how do we encounter the material
0: graphene? Because it's not it doesn't it's not a natural material. Sure. Yeah. So this material, um, if I look at the old uh, books and old uh, journals, I can see that the material has been in the literature since uh, early 60s. So it's mm-hmm. been with us for more than fifty years in the academic. Literatures, However, uh, the public or us in general uh, didn't know about this material until, for example, the Nobel Prize uh, winner was announced in 2010. So it took more than 50 years of time for it really to get to general public. And the reason, uh, even among scientists, this material was a bit tricky or thought to be uh, non-existing in nature was because uh, there was this be- very, very famous theorem in physics stating that a 2D crystal shouldn't be stable in ambient condition. So here I mean 2D is really atomically thin. It's one atom thick material. If you think about the material we use every day, they have a bulk shape, something that we can touch, something that we can see, manipulate. There are many of those, but graphene is essentially one atom thick. And if you have one atom thick, People, physicists have stated that it's not going to be stable at a, a finite temperature. So the temperature we leave in 20 degrees C is not going to be stable. So it took quite a bit of time for people to figure out, actually, it is actually a stable material and it's it's been existing, we just didn't pay a lot of attention to it. Partly it's very difficult to see. If you think about one atom thick, how can you see that, right? So it became a challenge even to image that in the proper way. So it was in early 2000, 2004, uh, when that first paper came out uh, uh, from uh, University of Manchester, uh, Gaim and Novoselov, they discovered that they can use scotch tape to peel one layer of graphite. So if you think about graphite, it's actually multi layer tons of layers of graphene and they simply use the scotch tape to peel one layer out of the material, and they report it to the scientific community. This material is so wonderful. It's a miraculous material. See, it exists. That's what they say in the uh, the paper they published. They say it, it is stable in ambient condition, and it exhibits such a wonderful property that was predicted among scientists uh, that should be uh, uh, seen in the 2D materials, such as graphene. So such discovery really led to explosion of the community. So since 2004, there are there were tons of literature that came out. Every year, There people were seeing exponential growth in terms of scientist, scientific interest, number of publications, number of patents. And then in 2010, just within that six years, Those two gentlemen, they won the Nobel Prize in physics. So that's kind of the Mm -hmm. long and short history of graphene. So there are still a lot of uh, interests in this kind of material system. People now realize that they can expand the material to not just carbon, so you can think about other atoms that might form themselves in a very, very thin form. Mm -hmm. So it turned out in nature, we have tons of those. For example, uh, another example is uh, our lubricating uh, sprays that you buy. Uh, if you go auto shop, we buy something uh, a spray that you you spray coat on certain parts of your machine that makes the lubrication to be uh, uh, properties to be improved. And it turned out the material that we use is something called moly disulfide. It's MoS two, and that material, generally known as dry lubricant, uh, there are many products out there. Uh, it can also be cleaved into atomically thin form factors. So you can have three atom thick mm-hmm. material instead of one atom. So graphene is truly 2D crystal. It's one layer of carbon. MOS2, you have moly in the middle, you have two sulfur layers on the top and the bottom because you have S2. And that material turned out to be a, an excellent semiconductor. So there are a lot of research that's going on and also industry interests try to create a next generation electronics as we are facing uh, a limit to existing material like silicon. So we build all our electronics using silicon wafer. Now people are looking for something that's better, that's thinner, that's more flexible. So that really now has led the community to expand to other shapes and other uh, material system and the, the combinations of material in what we call two-dimensional material systems. So that's kind of the uh, uh, where we are uh, since that explosion in two thousand four.
1: So in the last six seven years, uh, since the Nobel Prize is really exploded. What beyond just that? Uh, what what are the scientists? What are they? Why are they so excited, excited. about about the material? And I think you hinted at it a little bit right. in terms of the semiconductor. Right. Um, Industry, uh, this could really um, sure.
0: really be important. Right. So, really, the key magic here is, is is that the material is one atom thick or three atom thick, whatever. However, as, as you change it from material, you are dealing with extremely extremely thin material. So, well, there are of course pros and cons. But when you are very very thin, something that's so remarkable about mechanics. Uh, or properties of material in general is, if you think about uh, a big chunk of a wood, so you, you, you have that in your backyard, for example, uh, compare that with a piece of paper. They're same material, exact same material, mm-hmm. but you discover that paper is so easy to bend and crumple and right, and it easy to tear off, right? So you can very easily manipulate the material when the material gets very thin. Same logic, So let's say our silicon wafer is about a few hundred micron thick. Mm -hmm. So let's say half a millimeter thick that what we are using. If you thin it down to one atom thick, that's many, many, many orders of magnitude smaller in the thickness range, you make it extremely flexible. You now are able to create same type of electronics that can bend, that can deform without breaking, without damaging the material but you can wear it now you can think about carrying it with you fold it in your backpack or put it on your contact lens I mean depends on how you configure everything Mm -hmm. things are remarkably flexible and even stretchable because you're dealing with such a thin form factor material so that's Uh, one of the key pushes in the community, try to create flexible forms, stretchable forms of future electronics. What's even more interesting is being so thin, it's actually almost non-invisible. It's basically almost transparent. You gotta have a really good illumination and uh, some angle to see the material uh, because it's so thin. So you don't really see the materials down there but it does the magic for you. So, so that's, those are the, the distinctive features of going very, very thin. Of course, there are a lot more scientific reasons that many of us are excited about. Uh, it's a very good conductor if it's graphene. It's a very good semiconductor, for example, like MOS2, uh, compared to what we have cur- uh, in, in the current technology. So you can do the same, if not better, functions and capabilities compared to what we have, but you can make it almost optically invisible invisible, and at the same time mechanically flexible. So we are dealing with a very different fo- uh, functions of material now. You can combine different properties before we really try not to bend our iPhone, for example. Right? Right. If you bend it, you obviously break it and it's not functional. Now we can do that. And it turned out it's actually a good feature of that towards... Advanced electronics. Uh, there are many, many usages of those. As we kind of mature this technology and try to build this to uh, something that can really impact us in the future, I guess that, that's uh, uh, that's one of the greatest feature of atomically thin or two D material, and that's why we're very, very excited to really push this and see, try to see where we can really bring this to to uh, application that could impact a lot of us, a lot of people.
1: I want to back up a little bit just to talk about uh, sure, yeah. your interest because I think it intersects uh, at what the, we'll get into a little bit of the current technique to sure. uh, manufacture graphene right. um but I know that you that your flexible electronics um patches that you can thin layers that you can put on your skin right. I know that you're big into that can you just talk about that and and um and and the, the other projects like that that you've been working on where you would obviously be very interested in in this technique
0: right so uh, so we, we realized that as i just mentioned the mechanical properties and superb electronic properties are really the key for this i mean the stand, making this material stand out so we are very interested in making think about uh, making the material to be even more Flexible, even more compliant, so that it can be, for, for example, interface with our tissue or potentially implant it into our body and do a lot of interesting functions. So uh, there are a lot of things I can talk about. But one thing, uh, since I guess this, I'm, I'm not trying to get into too much ac- academic discussions. One thing I can mention is we fold and crumple the graphene in some uh, controlled manner. So it's like if you are familiar with paper art, so if I make the knowledge between graphene and paper, you can create a very beautiful feature by folding or tearing up your papers in a controlled manner. And it turned out we use the term origami, kirigami a lot. right? That's uh, uh, the term from Japanese. Uh, we essentially are trying to do that with the thinnest paper that we can get, which is graphene MOS2. Uh, if you do that, it's almost like if you're a Crumpling your paper, you can stretch it back without permanently damaging the paper. You may leave a little bit of marks here and there, but it turns out you don't break the paper. Right. So that's the strategy that we're using. If you do that, you can actually stretch the graphene way beyond what it's capable of doing. What it's capable of doing is already extremely impressive, but if you think about our motion, we move a lot. So if you want to put things on our skin, you got to make sure that deformation we impose is able to uh, not exceed the failure of Mm -hmm. that given material. So we do that control folding, control tearing, control cutting, I should say, and create graphene origami, uh, graphene kirigami. That's not only beautiful, but at the same time, that's functional Mm -hmm. in many ways. So mechanical aspect, that's what I just talked about. But there actually, it turned out, we started by just having a thought on mechanical aspect, but it turned out by folding the paper in a certain way, actually graphene in this case, you could change its property by a lot. So what I mean is, for example, and this doesn't happen in our real life, uh, one example I can give you is, let's say if you have a piece of paper, you fold it into some shape. Uh, let's say you, you fold it into an airplane shape. Uh, I mean, you've you got a great shape. If you do the same thing, to graphene. It turned out graphene would change its color. So by folding the material, you can make a filter. I mean, in a scientific term, a filter is used to filter our our specific light component so that you can see different color. We can fold the graphene in a specific way and and that start to influence the filter as, as a filter, as filter performance. So you can change the color. You can let certain spectrum of information to come in whereas you block the other. So it's actually an antenna if you do that in our communication frequency. If you do it in an optical frequency, that's a color filter. So you can actually use the folding uh, power of deformation, control deformation, to start to do something that's quite exotic. Uh, And what's even more interesting is you can, again, as your paper, fold it back and forth so you can reconfigure the color. So, by changing just uh, simply the form that you can do by stretching, and releasing, you can make the paper to be yellow, blue. I mean, that's just an example, or have that antenna to block certain frequency of uh, communication, whereas you can restore that. So, that's something we feel it's very interesting because you can now reconfigure the properties of material, which is extremely difficult to do in a conventional material set. You just cannot do it. If you do it, it will break the material if you compress the material. Or you have to put some chemical or other species into the material to do that. Here, we can just simply do it by folding, cutting of the material. So that's kind of a little science uh, right. uh, beyond just stretching and, and wearables. But But we do have quite wide interest here and there. On the fundamental side, which I kind of talked about, a lot of curiosity-driven, hypothesis-driven research that we're doing, but we also look at things that now being stretchable, can you put it onto our skin to measure, say, glucose level from our sweat. So we have uh, a, few pro- a couple of projects uh, from companies uh, 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 to try to develop a patch that can monitor the glucose level uh, over the day, without I mean, without invasive uh, procedures, so you can just put it on your skin. Things will be measured. So, so we also see uh, no a need dose for are, a blood draw. No need to draw your blood. You can just take your measurement fr- through your sweat. So we measure a very tiny bit. Of, uh, of, of your glucose uh, uh, molecule, uh, uh, from your sweat, other than your blood. So, so we we look at uh, immediate possible tra- uh, translation as, uh, as as a technology, but at the same time, we open our uh, our interest to some of the fundamental property that may take us uh, uh, to the next technology in the near future. So, I want to get to your technique here. Uh,
1: briefly explain what the uh, the current technique is. Uh, what its shortcomings might be, Mm -hmm. and then the technique that you uh, developed in terms of manufacture graphene and how this could revolutionize um, not only the manufacturing of graphene, but the technique could be used for other materials as well.
0: Right. So so there are a few things I can talk about in this as well, but uh, we recently have have published a a work um, that just appeared where we looked at the use of uh, essentially a soda water uh, with fizzy water or the water with uh, 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 carbon dioxide in it as a kind of soda water. And we, we, we use that as a mean to uh, delaminate or take the graphene out from the substrate that it was used to grow graphene. So in, in graphene manufacturing, What people do is they will uh, bring a piece of copper foil, so these are thin copper foil, and they'll put it into equipment that is capable of bringing in carbon gas, and then that carbon gas finds its way to create graphene, which is actually a 2D crystal, as I mentioned. It has a hexagonal shape, so atoms are sitting on. It's very thin. It's very thin, right. So the challenge is, well how do you take the graphene out from copper? Graphene, again, is uh, one atom thick. Copper is, like, super thick compared to that. Uh, so we actually found out, if you put that whole piece into a soda water and apply a little bit of voltage to it, the graphene will find its way to delaminate magically from that of copper. So there's a bit of electrochemistry, of course, there, uh, how that whole thing happened. But that delamination, that 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 separation between graphene and copper, which is an extremely essential process for graphene manufacturing, can be done first in a soda water. Second, that soda water is extremely pure because once you dry that soda water, that CO2 dissolved in water mm-hmm. will evaporate. That's what that, I mean, once the water's gone, CO2 is gone as a gas phase, so it goes away. So at the end of the day, you are left with graphene and water as long as you use clean water, everything's super clean, we could save a lot of water that we will use to manufacture graphene. It turned out in a conventional process you actually have to rinse the everything a lot many, many times because it's not just water. You ha you have other chemicals yeah. in that process. So such
1: as sodium hydroxide.
0: Yeah. So many lower many other uh, uh, I mean, many other salts that I mean depends on what method you use right. now you can do it with extreme uh, 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 I mean pure, pure purity in the process and you can save a lot of uh, resources as, as you're doing it so so we, uh, we, we we thought that this approach could be something that would help us not to advance the manufacturing but also think about how this process can can uh, lead us to cleaner more sustainable processes of, of making graphene and Transferring graphene onto to, to a substrate that you are able to create additional structures for for various things I just talked about. So so that's uh, what we have discovers and discovered, and it, it really I think could lead to similar kind of approaches to to cleave other types of two D material or very thin films from that of any substrate that you use to to make the material. So, so it's actually pretty much a, a, a kind of ex- Idea that can be used for a few other uh, uh, processes of not just graphene, but right. other. What other materials material. are we talking about? Uh, you can, I mean, it depends on the, 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 the catalyst you use, but it, it generally can be used for uh, uh, thin uh, uh, semiconducting material like MOS2 or tungsten disulfide, diselenide, uh yet is kind of popular material in 2D. Material community not yet really gone to uh, commercial or p- applications, but it really uh, could could help us to expand also uh, into other uh, more traditional materials uh, as long as it deals with that uh, 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 electrochemical delamination processes mm-hmm.
1: yeah. so how soon do we feel like? Graphene could take the place of, say, silicon. Um, You know, what's what's the future look like? Especially given this discovery, I mean, I would I would guess that this would be a game changer in terms of low cost. Um, You talked about being cleaner. Um, You know, those kinds of things. Um, You know, what what what's next? I guess.
0: Right. Uh, That's a great question. Uh, (laughs) I think that's a question I got a lot. Right. So if you go and talk to people who are interested. Uh, or the peop- like scientists or engineers we give uh, I mean we we know how long it takes in general from uh, technology development in the lab to commercial right. applications so we try to be pretty conservative so uh, and every I guess numbers that people put out are somewhere around ten plus years um, but we do see well if you have a, a sustain a manufacturing uh, uh, a step set up so that's the assumption uh, just as taking graphene as example if we figure out a way to make it cheap enough and cost effective enough now we do see a few applications that actually could be easily uh i mean translated to industry actually there are a few examples uh, that's already brought the graphene into market so for some of the expensive tennis racket uh, like uh, if you go say watch US Open, uh, there are some rackets that the players are using. Believe it or not, you have graphene in there mm-hmm. uh, because it's so super lightweight, mechanically strong, right. so you can make it to be very, very highly performing composite material for extremely high-end applications. Uh, people are adding that into tires of uh, like expensive uh, cars so that those are currently available, and that's because people, I mean, for for some of those applications, the cost is relatively less, uh, I mean, it's a low priority compared to the functions. Um, So that's yet the status where we are, but if we can make the advances in making it very cost-effective, we can actually push this technology, or graphene, or 2D materials in general for sensor applications, Because that's where people care much less, relatively, of price than function. So they look for high performance, high precision, uh, instead of what's the cost of the sensor, right? So so it depends on how much benefit or additional function that that platform can provide you. Uh, We do see there is a potential there. So wearable patches, for example... Uh, some of your glucose sensing uh through not through drawing your blood but by just putting uh, uh uh soft electronics on your skin, you can essentially do that over the time of the day. you can monitor uh throughout your day, not every time you 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 draw um, so so those possibilities are there I think still yet the question is is it going to be reasonably uh priced or reasonably uh, cost-effective, so for us to push that for, uh, uh, for real technology. Of course, there are thinking about making things. There are also uh, questions about reliability, scalability, and those are always uh, things that people will talk about, and uh, industry, I know, are interested in uh, putting more effort, try to really bridge the gap between what we do in a small-scale uh, uh, versus what's really needed for, for manufacturing, making this possible. So so that's really where we see us as a future technology uh, from where we are. And of course there are many, many exciting possibilities beyond the sensors I talked about. There are possibilities for uh, coating materials, as I mentioned early, these spray coating uh, kind of lubrication material we've been using essentially are the same type of material. So we can think about expanding that to smart coatings. That's not just for lubrication. Can you make that coating to change its lubrication capabilities for as you demand it to be? So there are things you can add it onto what we can do uh, in, in, with the current technology. So I do see that with these advances in science and technology, and also additional effort in trying to bridging that reliability scalability cost associated challenges uh this is not something that's kind of a fiction it's, it's something that actually could be uh could be a possibility. We just need to work together and at the same time uh think harder work harder try to get uh, really push this to to the next level so uh,
1: well, I would think there'd be some commercially uh, manufacturers they're looking to get a leg up and and if you can make it at scale right um at a price point yeah. um and and we talked about a couple of high end examples right. with tennis racket high end tennis racket right. high uh, you know and and vehicles right. but but yeah. expensive vehicles right, right. now yeah. to to make it much more economical it right. could it could certainly filter into all kinds of things
0: sure yeah yeah that's exactly right and i think that's uh, we're starting, I mean, I guess the industry sees the opportunity, so they they try to be connected. They try to learn about the materials more, types of materials more, and at the same time, they think about how to make this cost effective. So they're entering the market with, again, some high-end applications, uh, and then they're hoping, and uh, I know there are uh, quite a number of manufacturers uh, in China, some in the U.S., uh, also, quite a lot of interest in U- EU countries uh, where they have a big flagship graphene flagship program. So they're really pushing uh, academic research into commercialization and try to engage more industry so that we can make this happen. So there are a lot of effort that's putting in, uh, uh, and of course the, the U.S. Uh, federal agencies are very very interested in in pushing this into. Uh, uh, I mean, for for general use, for military use, for for various uh, uh, possibilities.
1: Well, exciting stuff. We <coughs> certainly w- uh, are looking forward to graphene and uh, all of its applications in the years to come. And uh, and thank you for playing such a it's a big part um, here. And potentially how graphene is manufactured, and and, uh, thank you very much for uh, coming to talk to us, to educate us. I I know more in the last half hour than I did before uh, we started this conversation, so thanks for uh, being on the program.
0: Yeah, thank you very much for having me, and um, I'm happy to be part of this effort, and I hope that maybe in the next five years I could come back and report to you what we have accomplished and what the community has accomplished uh, for a bright and exciting future of graphene. Uh, we looking,
1: look forward, as we uh, mentioned, to, to following its progression. Uh, Sung Wung Nam, uh, Assistant Professor of Mechanical Science and Engineering here at the University of Illinois, has been our guest. Thank you for listening uh, to another edition of Illinois Innovators. I'm your host, Mike Kuhn.
0: Illinois Innovators is a production of Engineering at Illinois. All rights reserved. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or SoundCloud by searching Engineering at Illinois. We hope you'll help grow our corps of listeners by leaving a favorable rating on iTunes.